Welcome back to another episode of The Human Side of Learning and Talent Technology. We are back for another great week of discussion on learning and talent, trends, what's going on in the industry, and just our overall thoughts and opinions and feelings about uh, COVID and learning and talent and everything in between uh, as we kind of dive into each week, it seems like. But um, this week, uh, Chris and Tiffany, Chris Bond, CEO, Tiffany Faulkner with uh, Global Service Delivery Lead at Blue Water, back with me as always. And we have again a special guest, uh, Robert Pateri from Connex Partners is here with us. How are you today, Robert? I am doing very well. Actually, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Wow. Okay. That's pretty good. Bring that's never been used on this yes. podcast before. And an umbrella for everybody to go with it. So. <laughs> awesome. Robert is the partner and senior vice president of strategy at Connex Partners and has agreed to jump in with us today on, on a, a few different topics and, and really looking forward to that discussion today uh, and, and really diving into kind of what Connex Partners is. They're a partner of ours at Blue Water and we've been really doing some great work with them of late and, and look forward to some great work uh, together going forward. So we're excited to have Robert on, uh, learn about, about Connex and, and his role and, and what his passions are in, in the industry. Uh, and so going to dive right into that today. Uh, first off, Tiffany, how are the goats doing? We need a goat update. It's been fine. a few weeks. Everybody's just fine. No changes. No, nothing crazy. Nothing stressful with the goats. Okay, good. The people want to know how the goats are. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I was there yesterday and there were no goats out. They they were. You just, they're, they're in the very back. Also, the mini horse was actually in the backyard with with the dog and i was like man should have showed chris the mini horse but yeah oh well Some, someday I, we'll get to see the goats yeah. Well, yeah what kind of goats are we talking about pygmy goats uh i have pygmy goats and i have nigerian dwarf goats mm-hmm. really all right yes. yeah, yeah. We, we didn't prepare robert for this at all if, if you're watching on youtube you probably saw his face and it's like tiffany has goats <laughs> <laughs> oh no one of my close friends out here in los angeles has goats very in cool. his backyard and not much real estate, but you know, he doesn't need to get the weed whacker out to uh, clean up the brush come fire season. He's got that's, the goats to take care of it. That's why we have goats, not fire <laughs> just in general. They take care yeah. of the lawn care for us. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. There's so, not so, going to be any, anything around uh, fire going on in Dallas anytime soon. Uh, I think we're in the middle of the uh, week three of the flood. And it looks like it continues on next week, too. Back to the rainy season. But, but Robert, you wouldn't know anything about gray and gloomy weather, would you? No, I wouldn't. And I'm going to suggest maybe you trade those goats in for some elephants because they could get rid of the water and send the pygmy goats (laughs) out here and we can deal with them for the fire and cleaning up the brush. So is that an even trade? I'll I'll run that by the family in the (laughs) fourth I'm not sure I'm going to get approval, but I'll give it a look. Wait a second. You don't think Bo would say yes to elephants? It's not Bo I'm worried about. Yeah, we're we're underwater here. It's been it's been a it's very depressing when you wake up and look at the forecasts and you know it most forecasts go 10 days out and it's just for 10 straight days, cloudy and rainy, uh, as it is every day here, but it's okay. Well, we'll, I'm enjoying it because I know in two months we'll be over a hundred degrees for that 10 day forecast. So, but as Robert, as you mentioned, you're out in California. Uh, and so enjoying the weather, I'm sure at this point, um, I know you, we had talked a few days ago and, and being out in California, um, you have some experience in, in the Hollywood version of California, or at least uh, some, some background and training. So before we get diving into the, the fun stuff, can you kind of tell us about your, your background as a, as, as a you know, trained actor and, and, uh, and all those things that go along with it? Yeah, I, uh, and I'll transition it to why my interest in actually the stuff we're going to talk about, um, because that's one of the things people look at my LinkedIn and they'll try and connect the dots. And that's the beauty of this world today, right? Uh, connecting dots does not always make sense. Um, uh, yeah, I, I did a, an undergraduate and a graduate degree in acting and musical theater and spent uh, you know, over 20 years doing Broadway and film and TV. I did you know, Gaston and Beauty and the Beast and uh, the Broadway production in, in London and uh, 
the Phantom and Phantom and Scarlet Pimpernel and Scarlet Pimpernel and did, you know, film and TV. Um, and uh, I, I got a parasite shooting an action film in South Africa uh, and uh, got a Lime Tick doing Gaston in London. And my body went from a few hundred pounds of muscle down to 118 and doctors wrote me off. Right. So I spent spent about five years uh, getting my life back and, you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind in Hollywood for a nanosecond. So yeah, I had just had to make a decision at this point after so much disruption and went into the corporate world uh, so that I wasn't you know, traveling all over the world and uh, and having a little more security here at home. Uh, and and what was quite evident <clears throat> when I was going through this the two areas that Connex serves are human capital and healthcare. And the two areas that affected my life the most when you're sick as an employee are is the behavioral component, right? And the emotional component and the stressors in the workforce as an actor. Uh, and uh, in those days, the invoices that are stacking high uh, that you're fighting insurance companies with. So those were two areas that just really um, uh, were, were, were I'm hyper passionate about, and I found the perfect home at Connex to be able to give back a lot of the learns that I got when I went through that myself. Wow, that's that's wow. cool. I, yeah. I didn't that the some of my favorite musical uh, theater, you know, Broadway shows that you mentioned that you've been a part of. So I didn't I didn't know that going into it. So yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was about 20 years ago and about uh, 35 pounds heavier. So yeah. <laughs> I'm the thinner version of me now. So yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we're, you we're glad you're we're glad you're healthy and well and and found a great home Thanks, and Chris. chatting with us and uh, it's it's great being able to partner with you and Connex. Yeah, and and I feel the same way. We're super grateful for Blue Water and the impact that you're having out in the enterprise. It's it's these kind of relationships is what makes a difference, right? Because it's it's incredibly different, difficult out there in the enterprise today for business development and for, you know, just for opportunity in general, no matter how gifted someone's skill set and how great a value proposition, um, it's all about relationships today. Everything is about relationships and mm. finding and forging those type of relationships that uh, we can collectively really impact. The reason that we set out is to make a difference and find those kind of partnerships is, is what we're all about. So we're incredibly grateful for you as well. Thanks. Yeah, I love what you're talking about up there with the relationships. And and we I know we've got a variety of topics that we'll get into today, but that yeah. that may just be a common thread that's going to weave through everything that we're going to talk about is it really does get all the way back down to relationships. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um and it's not just a catchphrase. You know, we talk about relationships kind of like People talk about corporate values on a website, and then you dig into their company as they're, they're, they're so incongruent, right? Um, mm -hmm. But if we really do take relationships at heart, uh, it comes with the good, the bad, and the ugly, like anything, right? And, and, and what's implicit at the underneath of it is just trust, right? Trust in one another, that we've got each other's back, that we hear one another through the challenges and through the successes. So, yeah. Great. So, I, so go ahead, Tiffany. I was just going to say, I just, you know, this is one of the first times I've gotten to meet you personally. And that is just what you're talking about there and, and how it all boils down to it. The good, the bad, and the ugly is something that we talk about often here inside of Blue Water, even when we're working with our clients. It's, you know, when things go wrong, what are we doing um, to correct it? Not just the thing that went wrong, but the relationship and, and making sure that we That's have right. and we can carry forward, even when things are great. But it's when things are not great that people forget that's just as important, if not a more important component. Yeah, it's always easy to celebrate the successes, sure. right? Mm -hmm. It's it's the avoidance of just trying, you know, of of not wanting to deal with the gas when the when it's uh you know when the light is on on the stove and we wait until the fire happens, right? We should never wait yeah. till the fire happens. You know, it's not fun to sometimes smell some of that gas, but if we deal with it. When, you know, when we turn that light on, uh, you know, it's much easier to avoid the fire from happening. And actually, what I love about it is our relationships become richer when, when those things happen, right? That's, yeah. that's the great thing is that we learn a little bit more about each other. Uh, because how can when two people, it's a marriage, right? I look at my wife 
I love her 10 times more today than I did the day that I married her. And there's a hell of a lot more bad, ugly now that she's learned about me over the last 25 years, you know, but through that time, we've just become richer and we understand one another more. And there's more compassion and empathy from one another as we have those growing pains, as long as the communication, uh, you know, aligns and remains intact. Awesome. We, I love it. We could talk about that all day, but that's not yeah. what we're here for. Oh. It's not. I thought this was therapy. Sometimes it is for the three of us. <laughs> so, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Connex Partners? What What are you guys he- here to do? Who Who do you Who are yeah. you here to serve? And and, and what's, yeah. what's the the main mission there? Yeah, we are essentially. Um, a network of executive peers that we bring together to knowledge share and they're industry experts, right? For knowledge sharing and solving complex problems. Uh, and there's two sides, right? You've, you've got the, uh, the two practices we serve, uh, human capital and healthcare for the purposes here. We'll, we'll talk about human capital, right? Those are the enterprise employers, thousand employee groups, all the way up to the fortune 50, where we're dealing with all of the senior leaders and they're, there is no shortage of issues and challenges in human capital today, right? It's uh, We talk about healthcare, and I think I'd mentioned this the other day. Uh, we are in human capital today where ACA was with healthcare in 2012 when we pivoted from, uh, you know, from fee-for-service to value-based care. Healthcare imploded, and there was so much need coming in, all the technology interventions and all the things around data and population health Uh, tied to employee and trying to centralize things. Now we look at human capital today, and it's the same thing with these leaders on what they're challenged with, where we've gone from this very soft skilled uh, environment to technology interventions and digital transformation and cultural changes and shifts that are just tectonic by nature. And so there's just so much that is going on. So what we look to do is to serve these employers by helping them to knowledge share with each other uh, in group settings, mastermind groups, workshops, think tanks. Um, but as, as we all know, similar here, there's only so far, there's only so deep we can go in you know an hour, an hour and a half on a call. And so we carry those conversations into a backend platform so that if we are, let's talk about learning. What if you've got two uh, executives who are in the middle of this think tank with 10 or 20 peers and they really really dive deep into what are the things that we're going to do to improve uh, the, the sort of engagement that we're getting out of learning with all of these changes. And one executive talks about some of the things that he's doing or she's doing, and maybe someone else says, hey, can we carry this over to Connex's back end? So one-on-one, they can talk about best practices, industry, you know, norms and shifts and things that how they've addressed it, vendors that are working for them. Now they can, you know, sort of open up the kimono. It's a little bit more safe environment where they can dive much deeper. And then lastly, and more germane to our relationship with Blue Water is being able to bring partners of ours who are vendors who can help to solve these problems that they're going through. So how does a, how does a buyer today find these people? Right. Um, as you know, you can go to them direct, which we all know the challenges. Pre-COVID, it was challenging. Now it's like herding kitties to be able to get a hold of these people, right? Because they have so many shifting competing priorities. Well, there's access plays, there's camp, you know, conference companies that are out there that you can speed date and you can sit down with. Uh, and and so that really just becomes a a, a, a you know uh you know, that's a shot in the dark where, you know, you might be able to get an opportunity to sit down with 10, 20 people and find something uh, serendipitously. There's brokers who are working on a spreadsheet um, and each one of those have their individual use case. And then Connex, what we look to do is be much more strategic. So we don't go into the conversations and an assessment uh, with an agenda. You know, we're trying to really understand in our pre-assessment what is happening with the buyer. And sometimes it's very direct where they might say, look, we've got 120 leaders uh, running through a leadership program. We've got bids in from Covey and Blanchard, three quarters of a million to spend, but we'd like someone who's um, maybe a little bit smaller, might be give us a little bit more kick glove, uh, hands-on, less big box feel. Who do you have? That's a very direct ask, right? 
Um, conversely, uh, and probably more often, we have to be much more diagnostic and deductive in that conversation where we're helping them to find where their true north is, right? So, uh, and so that's the kind of stuff we do so that, uh, and I'll wrap it up here, the buyer then can ultimately uh, make that request of our partner. And then we want to strategize with that partner so that we've got the best plan moving forward. Uh, so that at the end, we find out what does the buyer have to say? What does the partner have to say so that we can mitigate the challenges in business development? So there's a lot I could dive deep in, but you know, high level, that's, that's the kind of work that we're looking to do is really to take the fat out of this challenging business development lifecycle today and work it with market positioning, messaging, feedback, and strategy on partner, and to give candidly uh, to help these buyers with their time and efficiency and bandwidth. Well, Robert, what I love about that is it gets back to the previous conversation. You're developing a relationship with your with your member organizations, and they're developing relationships with other member organizations in order to be able to go solve some real business problems. And there's a level of trust that that we can see just from partnering that you're enduring with these organizations. And that's critical at this point in time because there's so much activity going on. There can't be a misstep in the process. I, I don't have time to make a wrong decision about a wrong solution. Now I need somebody to be able to trust and advise. And, and we just see Connex has developed such a great relationship with your member organization to get to that point to where they say, okay, Connex is going to lead me in the right direction. And, and yeah. I personally appreciate that about our relationship. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's, um, it is something that, uh, you know, we, we strive to constantly be improving on, right? Because it is all about, look, we can have great relationships with you, great relationships with them, but it comes down to value. And everybody's trying to get a hold of this person over here, right? That buyer has people, you know, just pulling on their shirt strings every day. I was just on with the CFO of Intermountain uh, Health, um, Kerry Gillespie, and, and he and I were talking and he said, Robert, I must get hit 30, 40 times a day with vendors that are trying to really get a hold of me. And he's, he said, I, I do care about, you know, people and their time. He said, but I don't know who any of these people are. They don't know uh, my situation and, you know, if I even have a need for them. And so I just don't have the time to get back to them. And what I love about Connex is that when I am in a discovery with you, you don't come in with agenda. You're not trying to sell me vendors just because you've got relationships. You're really trying to help me problem solve what I, you know, where my needs are and where my competing priorities might need to shift or stay aligned so that I can solve problems. Because to your point, relationships, Chris, these executives, they don't have the time to peer-to-peer knowledge share that we think, we think, oh, they're probably talking all the time. They don't get that face-to-face time with their peers, yeah. right? So having someone be able to have that relationship and help them through that, uh, you know, it, it is a big value add to them. I, I think it's also, you know, as with the last year, they almost have what FaceTime they did have, they most definitely don't have now. You know, conferences haven't no been face-to-face. There hasn't been the networking um, events and activities like there have been in the past. And so now, I mean, they have Professor Google to refer to <laughs> and you can find information, but it doesn't tell you what you need to know about. I mean, it. you see their messaging and you see the sales side of it. But, you know, for me, if I'm traveling and I want to go eat somewhere in a new location, I don't just Google. I, I talk to, hey, have you been there? Where do you go? And so that's kind of the piece mm-hmm. that you're you're creating for your clients and, and even your partners are, hey, I, I know somebody, I've got somebody I trust, or I, I've, I've, I've worked with this, or I've seen this. It's not just the um, impersonal response that you're going to get from a search or from just digging through the yeah. saturated market in some of these areas. Yeah. Yeah. Because before COVID, that was still sort of a best practice of theirs, right? But now, uh, because their competing priorities are just shifting all over the place at a nanosecond. And like Carrie was saying, look, you know, I'm a CFO of a hospital system. I've constantly got a busy day ahead of me. Ooh. But during COVID, uh, it's 48-hour workday and 24 hours, right? So now, if yeah. you have a last-minute need and he says, wow, I'm writing everything off under, under 5,000 in my collections, I've got to bring in a vendor who's going to be able to help me. Um, where do I go? Uh, 
Google, Mr. Google, I mean, how, yeah. how long is that going to take to find right. that, right? And or going out into the universe and trying to knock on peer doors and uh, or get referrals in. So at least they can just knock on our door and say, hey, guys, you know, this is where my challenge is. How can you help me? So, awesome. yeah. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great relationship. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of the passions that we that we hear from you and, and that lie within Connex partners are very similar to what Blue Water is here to do, too, uh, as far as, you know, solving real business problems um, and, and really impacting change within an organization around learning and talent. So it's been it's been yeah. so great to um, you know, be part of that with you guys so far and, and really looking forward to, to the future and, and being, you know, part of that network of, of um, influence that, that, that we, that we have with you uh, to be able to, um, to support our mutual clients. So we appreciate the, the overview. And speaking of passions, I know we, we talked about a couple of days ago, um, you know, you, you've explained kind of, you know, you're globe trotting on the, in the, in the world of, of acting and, and, and musical theater. Um, but also just, you know, uh, as you did that, I'm, I'm sure you, and I've, I've done some globe trotting as well. And Chris as well, you pick up on all these cues around cultural differences, cultural influences, uh, everything that kind of feels normal at home is completely different when you go even to uh, a different state, let alone a different country and different, uh, complete different culture. So, can you dive into a little bit about your your passion around just uh, you know being a multicultural person and, and understanding that with your experience there, but also how that impacts your role and how that impacts maybe clients that you have or, or, or organizations you work with from a from a learning perspective, just overall corporate yeah. learning or, or individual learning perspective as you focus on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's you know it's no longer a nice to have; it's a gotta have to have this, you know, global cultural intelligence, if you will, right? Uh, for instance, I'm training someone in our company right now who uh, lives in Brazil, and she's an attorney, right? Uh, she speaks English very well, uh, but it is a different culture, right? So the type of leadership, the type of communication style is vastly different um, with a, even with a male-female relationship and leadership uh, here, with there just tends to be, I think, much more awareness in the empathy and the equity and things that are traditional there, right? Um, some of this stuff, to your point, I, I got just a, a bird's eye view, uh, went to a magnified view as I was performing overseas, you know, they're talking about beauty and the beast. I mean, you go to England, they speak English. Well, some of the terminology and the language was completely different on the, on the, from the Broadway production here to the Broadway production over there, right? I couldn't say certain words in the script over there because they would have to do with, you know, improper, uh, you know, sort of uh, innuendo uh, over there. We're over here. It's just, it, it's a completely different terminology, right? Uh, and, or just dealing with hierarchy, right? You, you look at uh, South Africa, when I did my film in South Africa, it was very frustrating to see how people were engaging on the film set who were Americans or even people from English Commonwealth with some of the indigenous people in South Africa, calling them, you know, some of the black people, names that I, I can't reiterate, because they were walking in front of a woman and or they weren't looking at them in the eyes. And I took them aside and I said, do you have any idea why they're walking in front of the woman or why they are not looking at the person in the eyes? They don't look at you in the eyes. That's not disrespect. That's respect in their culture. So instead of looking down at them like that's a negative, learn the culture of where you're at for these six weeks shooting, right? They walk in front of the woman because they have a tribal mentality of when they get home, is there going to be a predator inside the home? It's a protective measure, right? So it's these things that we're just not aware of that are social and societal norms, not just culture for the catchphrase that we think of that are behavioral norms, right, here in the United States. When we say we're going to go into a company and we're going to improve their culture. Well, it's another box that we're checking, kind of like we did with DE&I for years. And now it's no longer a nice-to-have box check. It's a gotta-have. And we'll dive in deeper to... You know, uh, I know, Chris, you and I were talking about how do we even implement those things from a technology perspective and just from an outcomes-based perspective. But 
uh, it, it just, you know, I, I, I played baseball in China, Japan, and the Philippines too. It was a whole, I was the, one of the first organizations allowed in, in the 1980s playing baseball in a, you know, as a uh, kid in college opened up my eyes to see the hierarchical stature of how things happen overseas, right? Because if you go over to the Far East and you come here and you just look at leadership styles, right? We're very individualistic here in the United States. They over there are very much consensus, very group. Uh, you know, it's very much respect. Uh, there, there's, it's, you know, or you go over to England, it's much more diplomatic. The Commonwealth English countries are much more diplomatic. We're much gold, much more goal-driven, right, here in the United States. So if you understand these, I think it's implicit in organizations from the perspective of leadership and really improving cultures that we take the time necessary to not just check a box, but to help understand this global world that we're in because of Zoom now and because of cross-pollinization you know, <clears throat> of travel and workforce that we understand who are these people that we're talking to, right? So that we don't get this perceived woke conversation because what does woke really mean in this culture today? It really just means take time to get to learn who the other people are and be thoughtful about the way that we communicate to one another so that we don't have to operate in fear, right? Um, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I think that's probably enough, Chris, maybe you want to interject. <laughs> You know, I think it's, uh, I love what you were saying that so many times people are working through this process just to check a box. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go put in a DNI program, check the box. But was it effective? Did it actually accomplish a goal? Did it in sometimes work contrary to what your actual goal was because it was a check the box item? And, and then the other piece of that, and, and yet, as Bennett mentioned, I think we've all been able to go travel internationally and do things, and we've got offices over in, in the UK and in Germany, but the cultures are so different that, that right. oftentimes the communication of particular items, and I know we were working on a big deal with a company in Germany, and we had to check our terminology on a regular basis to ensure that what we were saying was not only the right thing from a business standpoint, but it wasn't offensive in the way that we communicated it. That's and we right. almost needed it. We did. And we had a coach that, you know, an individual who was willing to coach us through that process. And it was incredibly helpful. And I think we see these as things of recognition and awareness that it's important seems to be the item that to me is most critical. Are we aware of this or does the check the box actually put us in a bad position because it becomes almost like compliance training, right? We got to go do this thing as opposed to this is really important because we want to care for and love other people as a part of the process. So let's go do it together. So the, let me, that's kind of me making some statements, but let me ask you, Robert, do you see positive or negative examples of where some of these culturally uh, sensitive and culturally focused education and training programs are actually working? I mean, where, where do you see success? Yeah, well, I, I, I see both sides. Um, and I think, let me start with uh, reflecting on your comment of checking the box. And I think for far too long, uh, the diversity, equity, inclusion conversation carried over into culture, checking the box, was perceived as a silver bullet, right? It's not a silver bullet. Uh, and, you know, Floyd took us, you know, Trayvon Martin, uh, four or five years ago, things really became more front and center. Uh, and, it, you know, to look good, we bring in consultants, right? Soft skills who can really deal with the biases and the implicit biases that exist and do some training. I was just reading an article the other day that was explaining a use case where they went in and they did studies on a 30,000 employee company that took them through this type of training. And what they found was the training afterwards, even though the rec the acknowledgement from, from all different groupings was, yes, we needed to change to your point, the change didn't happen. Whether it's the males 
uh, who the, the white males, uh, the way that the equity was dealt with female, female superiority and or uh, racial uh, diversity, cultural diversity, there wasn't much change. But where that was interesting, where they found data, where that did change were the subordinates in the female uh, category. I'll just talk about that recognize that it was a safer place to them to reach out and be mentored. So then it becomes cyclical because now you have someone who recognizes that, wow, this is safe for me to talk about this and to get help because mentoring, you know, I'm a firm believer in mentoring. Coaching is really mm -hmm. teaching someone how to, how to do something mm -hmm. well, right. Or improve something. Mentoring is teaching someone how to succeed at what they're doing. And there's proof, all kinds of data that can show the delta between coaching and mentoring is sometimes 50 and 60% more improvement because it's a more personalized approach. I think when we're dealing with such deep implicit biases that exist from a learning perspective, we can't check the box. We have to look at it from a multi, you know, just from multi approach, whether it is mentoring, whether it's um, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, ERGs, you know, when you look at the employee resource groups, right, that, that you've got where you're empowering employees who really care, you know, 90% of these corporations have these type of groups that are taking, a, you know, a, a, a active participation. Um, you look at, you know, obviously the technology stacks and the applicant tracking, really, really important. But important point to note that those companies that have longitudinal um, uh, longitudinal success with uh, diversity were actually perceived to have better outcomes than those who are just attacking it from a hiring perspective, right? Mm. So that's why I'm saying it's all of this, because what it's saying is if I longitudinally recognize that I can move and succeed people of diverse cultures or sexual orientation or whatever it is, I'm acknowledging that person, not checking a box of just bringing someone in to fill a quota, right? So there's there's so many different things, you know, normalizing uh, flexible time off is another thing because we can look at uh, the perception of how certain groups get favor and others don't when it comes to rewards and recognition, flexible time off. So. The, pro the, the automation of our artificial intelligence and behavioral science is huge today with data that we can capture. So instead of just looking at it like I've got a speaker who's going to come in and download into you, we know people remember 100% of what they feel. They remember 20 of what they see, 30 of what they say, and 40 of what they do. Why is it the younger generation? You know, it's microchips right? Getting back to culture, you go over to the Far East and you give them a microchip learning and they think you're lazy. Here in the United States, you can't talk to someone for more than five minutes because we've trained ourselves in these microchips, right? Like when we yeah. saw commercials, Chris, you and I growing up, it was a spokesperson for 30 seconds on a commercial. Now you've got 50 images in five seconds, yeah. you know? Uh, and and yeah. it's, so we're training the brain this way. So how do we deal with all of these different things and recognize that there are different cultural norms of leading styles coming over here? There's different behavioral and AI that we can get out of data to see check-ins. How are we doing? How, what kind of progress are we making? We have that available technology today. Um, but, and I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll end it here. The technology sometimes can be um, perceived as too invasive, like facial recognition software, right? And yeah. in, in being, you know, we've lost the humanity in interviewing people. Now, how can I look at culturally someone who might be from Russia against someone who is from Italy in facial recognition? We know that inherently Italians are much more expressive, right? And a Russian person, it doesn't mean that they have any more empathy, any more, but now we're going to recognize how your face is moving to say whether you might be a fit for someone. And that's the only norm that we're using. That can be a problem, right? So mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems for these HR officers to try and figure out when it comes to how do we address this, right? But it does need addressing. And that's where having experts like you why Blue Water is a blessing coming into these companies is because they can't do it alone and they know they can't do it alone. They need experts like you to come and be able to get, show them what True North is, not give them all the answers, right? But to give them options, right? Because Lord knows 
99% of leadership and giving people suggestions is there's going to be failure in there. They have to figure some of this stuff out because there's no one size fits all for any corporation. One of the things I really connected with what you were saying, Robert, was that this is a process. And and I'll I'll use my words and maybe you can confirm, but it, it sounded like what you were saying was this is a process and we have to commit to the process. It's going to take some time to go make the changes that we need to. And if it's just to check the box, then we're not giving it the weight that it actually needs to have the impact that we need long-term. Did I get that right? Yeah, you absolutely right. Because this, it's not a destination. It's a journey. You know, yeah. we had, we had a, a large pharmaceutical company reach out to us, right? And they had a budget pretty close to a million dollars to bring someone in to help them run a huge grouping of leadership overseas through uh, a leadership training program. And they had it benchmarked for six months. And basically our response is there's not anybody we work with that would do that. You're setting someone up for failure. How can, I mean, you can have a benchmark to see improvement within six months, but if you think that a program in six months, and there may be some companies out there will do it to take the paycheck, right? But any, any company worth their salt is going to know they're, they're going to be set up to failure. And then you, Mr. CHRO or Miss you know, VP of Talent Development, is going to put the blame on the vendor who's come in to do the work because, hey, it didn't succeed. To your point, you can't check that box. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a journey. Great. Can you, can, can I, can, we've got, we got this recorded. I want to, I want to make sure that my wife heard you say that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Have her subscribe to the podcast and give us a good note, but you're right. You just got another yes. eyeball. I'm forcing yeah. her to watch it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love that. So, so Robert, one last one last question or topic I wanted to to bring up. Um, you know, we've we've all obviously you know, all of this has been a focus for for many years, but especially within the within the last year with everything else going on across the global pandemic and and COVID. You know, with with DE and I and learning and and everything in between, remote learning or, or just being remote um, has has come across all of us. And for some people, it was a natural progression. They've kind of used to it. For a lot of people or a lot of industries, it was a, we wake, woke up one morning and had to be remote and didn't know how to do our jobs remote and, and didn't know what to do with our home office or our, our bed bedroom that turned into a half home office, half bedroom or whatever that may be. Uh, what, how, how has that impacted, um, you know, clients or, or businesses and, and maybe how how has the last 12 months impacted kind of a, a burnout mentality on some organizations or some some corporations and and uh, and how is that kind of being battled uh, that you've seen yeah it there's if anybody tells you they have the answer for it they've got oceanfront property in Oklahoma for you um, <laughs> because you know you sit in on these think tanks with these uh, HR executives and they're trying to figure it out because you know, the world was not prepared for this. To your point, we flipped the switch and all of a sudden we're getting strained on eyeballs. We're living at home with all the chaos around us. We have access to our office, giving us the gravitational pull 24 seven, the guilt if I'm not sitting in front of it, all the other things that are contributors make it just inherently a very, very challenging, um, you know, process to navigate. Uh, and so, you know, even dealing with, uh, you know, partners like yourself or vendors that are out there and you're reading, um, they're not sure what is that mix going to look like when things open up with e-learning and actually being in person, going in and, you know, doing, uh, you know, trainings in person. What is that going to look like? Nobody knows. So this is a larger, broader conversation that I think, and I'll circle back to it, that really incorporates burnout in general, right? Because we are all just exhausted. And you look at burnout pre-pandemic was about a 10% rate, um, what data shows us, right? Now we're at about a 50 to 60% burnout rate. And, but what is, I'm gonna get to a silver lining though, because I think there's always learns for all of us that come through this. Yeah. So what's the upside of the burnout and what is burnout and how does it affect learning, right? So you look at burnout and, um, you know, Mas uh, Christina Maslock from um, 
uh, from Berkeley, right? Uh, has got an, in, an inventory index that she put together and there's several ways that we track it and we, uh, we ascribe burnout to exhaustion. And it's much more than just exhaustion, right? Burnout is not just exhaustion, but exhaustion will cause burnout. Uh, you know, when you look at um, cynicism, that's another thing that will cause burnout, right? When you look at lack of workflow and efficiencies, when you look at lack of, um, you know, reward and recognition uh, within a company, all of those things can, you know, can come together to have perceived burnout. And then, you know, when you, when you add that to, you know, the areas of work-life balance uh, index that is put together, um, it even significantly shows the burnout index increase because, we don't we don't know how to navigate this new water th these new waters right so how do we how do we really focus on this and this is caused so here's the silver lining this has caused the <clears throat> the senior leaders to finally not have organizational change as a check the box <clears throat> sorry or as a ceo only initiative like if you if you talk to people who do change and organizational change, change management prior to COVID, they would always say, well, that's a CEO initiative. That's a visionary initiative. CHROs aren't really writing off on that. Now the CHROs and the CEOs are having much more connective tissue in this area because change is no longer something that we can push off. It's here mm -hmm. in front of us. You know, you, you know the saying that that basically says, um, uh, you know, I forget that if, if you can't, yeah, if you can't stand the heat, do what? Get out of the, get kitchen. Out of the kitchen. kitchen. Just yeah. get out of the kitchen. Well, that was, you know, Chris, that was yours and my generation, right? You yeah. just suck it up. You plow forward. Doesn't matter what's going on. Be grateful. You got a job, right? Well, there's a lot of suggestion today that we need to redesign the kitchen, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we've got to redesign the kitchen. We can't keep on with this status quo of, well, if you don't like it, suck it up and move on is what the subtext is. We've got to make organizational change. And with that organizational change, the undertone is we have to learn, right? Mm -hmm. So getting back to your point of learning, there is just a huge uptake, a 60% uptick in companies, uh, some, some even showing 120% uptick, right, on the, the need for all of the educational uh, learning that comes along with soft skills, that comes along with the hard skills, the digital transformation is just absolutely swallowing people. So get back to working at home. That's mm -hmm. the other challenge is now all of a sudden you've got these people who are not technology wizards having to figure out how to get on all these calls, having to deal with new technology stacks or optimizations and upgrades and still do their workload. And they've got all that stuff. Guess what? Not in their workflow, but their kids have to do it. And yeah. their personal life has to do it. And, and how, do we, how do we as employers, how do we now care for that employee, give them the time that they need so that they maintain a healthy balance? Because you know what the ugly news is? I don't know if you saw the report that just came out, but 40% of the workforce uh, is going to be looking for new employment within the next six months. So you do the math, and if you're an employer and you know that replacing that employee is going to be one and a half to two and a half times salary, you're doing everything you can to boost up the morale, to look at the yeah. satisfaction scores, to provide better benefits, to, to look at salary. And so there's going to be a lot of people competing from talent. And so there's just a, there, there's a lot going on right now. So it's, it's, it's causing burnout, but I just want people to understand what is burnout? It's not just mental and physical exhaustion, right? There's so many other contributing factors that, like I said, the cynicism and the negativity at work, right? Which is contributed to, oh, guess what? The cultural norms that are going on, how someone mm -hmm. feels about how a company might participate in these cultural norms or not, and the way they're looking around at their, at their compatriots. Are we a diverse talent group, right? Um, do I believe in these technology stacks, right? So there are so many different things that are contributory and the efficiencies, because I can look at it, you know, look, I, 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 there's another company out there that is a billion dollar company. I just found out in talking to some of their employees, 
that they're still working on a homegrown CRM. And the frustration of these employees that are, that are doing outreach type of stuff who have a terrible technology stack and they're looking at competitors that have a 10 times better technology stack. What does that do to my workflow every day to add and compound what I'm doing? It does what? Contributes to all the way back to burnout, right? So the good news is the silver lining and the upside I'll end here is that it's no longer a nice to have again. It's a gotta have. Employers are looking at this for organizational change as an opportunity to really you know, just do that to, to make some substantive change. So Robert, I have a couple of questions. You said a few things and, and you actually hit on it directly when I was sitting here waiting, like I got to ask. You talked about how burnout went from 10% to 50 to 60%. And naturally, you know, we've got things are moving in the economy. Businesses are opening back up. Then you talked about the, hey, 40% of the workforce is going to be looking for a new job. How do employers, we're in this virtual world. Some people are getting back in the office. Some people aren't there yet. But how do employers or even managers spot burnout when you're not looking the people in the face or talking to them in personal conversations? You're just working heads down, working. You know, for us, we one of our rules internally is if you can be seen, be seen. So if we're having a meeting, turn your cameras on. That's not something that a lot or all organizations are doing. So even their they can't even see their faces half the time. How do employers or managers spot, hey, we've got a trend going on with burnout in our organization? Yeah, I think that's a great question because the last thing we want to have happen is the vulnerability of these HR officers wind up in the seat of that HR officer in Illinois. If you remember that a couple of years ago where there was that disgruntled employee that just wound up nobody really knowing about fading into the woodwork until they knew that they were going to lose their job and they took the life of the HR officer, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is the fears that are under that are the undertones of all of this. So um, I, I think the most important thing are check-ins, right? We have to have check-ins. We just have to, because we are all working disparate. So it's mandatory for those in management and leadership to not just have a... Um, uh, you know, uh, a check the box, mandatory check-in, but literally doing a how, you know, providing a safe environment where those who that they're working with understand that it is a safe environment, that I am always here for you to reach out, right? Um, but they still won't always feel that way because all managers are different. You know, right. they have different personalities and some will say that, but their behaviors are different. So, you know, it starts with going through the training around the culture that we're talking about, but doing also the, you know, the mandatory check-ins, I think, is, is really one of the things that more and more people are doing. And not just from a behavioral sense, but we can do surveys, anonymous surveys and pulse survey check-ins that can give us the kind of data and behavioral science necessary to see key indicators of where we might have problems. So getting back to, I think, Chris, what you had mentioned earlier, you know, the technology things, the technology stacks in um, in learning and assessments and things that we have at our disposal. We have so much more knowledge today of emotional intelligence and things around um, artificial intelligence that we can get, uh, you know, around these assessments of indicators of where someone's work-life balance might be getting out of whack and or perceived um, discontent might be um, relative to growth in a position relative to their peers. And so I think it's intentional check-ins. And I think it's also married with, you know, what we're doing right now with Connex is doing that. We're doing, you know, anonymous pulse surveys where everybody has a safe voice and then leadership is going here. Here's the results wide open. How do you feel about those results? Because now that employee feels like, wow, this is not someone who's just doing a survey to check that box, but they're open up to say, man, we really stink here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We got to improve here. And, and then, oh, by the way, it's not just now saying, here's where we stink and I know where we need to improve, but here's what we're going to do about it. A call to action, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I think technology and, and data as it relates to work-life work-life balance and just over, over talent and, and you know managing in, in hr it's not around it's not focused on purely a, a score anymore like uh, i'm performing at a 3.8 so i'm going to get a right. little bit of a raise or, or whatever it's it's about cultural impacts it's about man managing expectations and keeping employees 
um, moving forward personally and emotionally. And it's, it's crazy how much data that technology can provide to help make those informed decisions now versus just capturing uh, an overall estimation of how employees are doing from a, a performance review. And I like, I love how you mentioned those pulse surveys and just allowing employees to have that vehicle to uh, either air their frustrations or, or um, you know, give you direct feedback without having the, you know, the, the fear of, of repercussions for, for what they may be feeling because it's so important to know what they're feeling. But most people will not tell their boss or their boss's boss the, the, the bad things and, and, and because they feel like that that may impact them negatively. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look, every organization has this, right? Huh? Every organization. Be- yep. and, and because you look at different leaders and it's, a, it's no different within Connex. You know, we, if, if we look at it instead of trying to, to compete with each other in leadership, but to complement each other. So if you look at the different leaders that we have, and if some, you know, have really more, more, more um, skill sets uh, around the soft skills and the communications and the collaboration where they feel safer, and yet some of the others might be, you know, better with being able to be uh, the person who guards the rails, if you will, because you got the the person who is, I let's just so you know, I am that person who I am ready, fire, aim. That's me. I dive into every problem, and there's blessings that come with that, right? But there's also, I need one of my partners to check me and go, Robert, you got to stop running so fast, right? <laughs> so if we don't understand those things, they can directly compete each other. And the perception from employees can be, I'm good guy, that guy's bad guy, right? Because I'm the nice guy. I'm the one who wants to dive in and help change. And this person's the one who's always saying no, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. We can we, we complement each other, right? So it's understanding um, within the employee talent base as we're looking at how would we move someone? Where do they fit within a team where they're going to complement each other? How are they being perceived relative to their behavioral and social social norms? Do they fit getting to the values, right? Like I talked about at the beginning, nothing frustrates me more than when you see companies that, you know, they want to go and show everybody what their values are on a website. And then you talk to the people that are in the employees, which I'm sure, Chris, you know, I know I do recruiting for our company and I talk to some of these people who work for very well-known brands and I hear how they feel about the culture, right? Like with Connex, it's adaptability, accountability, trust, empathy, humor, grit. Those are our values. And are we perfect? No, no organization is, but we literally... We focus on these things and we, every person, whether it's Ben and Andrew are the founding partners, myself as a partner or someone who is, uh, you know, one of the people who are uh, in, in an administrative role, everybody has the right to be able to say, time out, you know, this is how I feel, you know, and we have to provide that safe environment of accountability and trust, but it's earned, right? And mm-hmm. it's earned by the collective whole. I have so many thoughts and I could talk about this for days um, it led me into, you know, one of my real passions, which I won't get into today. Maybe it's another podcast. One of my real passions around talent assessment and succession planning and the importance of it inside of businesses. And it's not just about who's going to be the guy that takes Bennett's spot when Bennett's here, but it's more about knowing what you've got on your team. What, what assets do you have? Where are their values? Where can they go in your business? What impact can they bring to your business? And where do you have gaps um, in your employee force? And what do you do about it? It doesn't mean great change the people. It might actually mean give them tools so that we can fill the gap internally, et cetera. So there's a lot of information that can be gathered out of that talent assessment, which I won't get into right now, but also it it relates to, you know, a labor shortage. And now we've got this, you know, like you said, 40% of the workforce is going to be looking for another job. That's going to cause disruption to the business. So what do you do to maintain your current employees? How do you keep them happy? How do you keep them engaged? And how do you find the right people to get them in here so that, the people who are here aren't aren't negatively impacted by the new people that you're bringing in, that you've got that, that foundational culture. And then the other piece that I want to just highlight, you know, when it comes to technology, you're talking about those pulse surveys, you're talking about getting the voice of your employees, but in an anonymous way, in a way that you can drive some action from the organization, some organizational change. 
what I've been seeing in the in the human capital management technology world is, you know, we went from learning management systems to performance management systems and all of those pieces. And now part of that is employee engagement systems, employee engagement management. So what we're gathering from learning performance succession already, there's a new, there's a new piece of it that there's highlighted and is gaining traction, which is that employee engagement piece. And this is the, the kind of piece to help systematically collect information so that you can get in front of some of these um, turnover problems or even burnout issues so that you can come up with a plan of what to do, not just know that it's a problem, but come up with your plan and execute on, okay, how are we going to mitigate it? How are we going to help help our um, employees out? So my yeah. soapbox won't go too far, <laughs> into it, but I, it does, that, does, that does sound like a, another good podcast. Robert, you're giving us all kinds of ideas because I also want to look at what's the economics for businesses uh, not changing, not, oh. not modifying, not moving. So maybe we need to have you back and we can, we can keep <laughs> ramping on with, with a couple of these topics as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's a lot of things we don't have answers to. I think that's one we can all concur. We we know the answer to that question. It's not a good answer. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good answer. <laughs> it's not a good answer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Chris, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say, um, be sure to tune in to part two with Robert <laughs> Pateri, because I think we're definitely going to have to have a part two, especially that if we be, get that, that. Would be Act Two for me. So yeah, act, oh, act true. Yeah, very good. Very Maybe good. I get a little song out of it next time too. That's the way to you know just kind of incentivize people. Maybe I'll sing on the next one. So yeah, we might definitely have. We'll take okay. a, a month intermission and, and get them back for Act Two here, <laughs> and not too long. But um, and especially if we can get Tiffany talking for days about something, we definitely need to do a, a part two. Yeah. but robert robert thanks so much for your insight today and and just your your expertise on on you know every everything around working with organizations on de and i and cultural learning and and just all of your your experiences in the past and sharing that with us today it's it's really valuable And, and again like we've said at the top of the of the episode it's it's one of the great things that that we are so happy to be partnered with Connex Partners because of, of all the people we've interacted at at the organization and all the people we've partnered with so far, just having so much depth of knowledge and expertise in, in many different areas. So uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to share and, and, and be with us today. Well, thank you. I, uh, I'm super grateful for this time. Uh, incredibly grateful for our partnership certainly have uh, just great expectation in moving forward as we both look to forge together and uh, and impact the necessary change uh, through all this disruption. Um, You know, so I guess I'll leave you with some Wayne Dwyer. You know, if you you look at, um, if you change the way you look at things, um, the things you look at change, right? So (laughs) I think that's an imperative that just opens up Pandora's box, but we, or the other, you know, platitude, you know, the only thing constant is change. There is so much change going on and we all need to just take a deep breath and be willing to take our biases. And I don't mean just culturally, I just mean every perspective in life on how we see things and open up perspective and just listen to one another. Um, you know, getting to my passion because I, I, my daughter's in the industry now as well. And I just co-directed a music video of hers. It was all around this culture diversity. And the name of the song is Unity, right? And it's to bring people together uh, in unity. And the way that we told the story was uh, all about what we're, what we're talking about right now, right? That we, we can't live in fear of one another um, we need to engage one another and be honest, um, learn how to truly love one another. And I don't mean that in the word of an emotional attachment, but just we can choose despite how we feel about someone else or a certain process or whatever it may be, we can just choose to be kind and respectful to know to one another, despite how we feel. And if we could just make a gravitational pull towards that one, um, norm, we can make significant change. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. And, and Chris, Tiffany, thanks again for, for being with us as always. Chris, I saw we had a special guest for a couple appearances. 
coming in the door behind you. So I'm not sure if you recognize that she was a special guest appearance, but I will let her know. My we question is, is she going to get residuals for this? Uh, she, Robert, she gets residuals for everything. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much. I'm, I'm genuinely very, very grateful for today. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you for, for our listeners. If you if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to, to, to our channel. If you haven't already, check us out on YouTube if you're listening to us or, or check us out on, on whatever podcast station you regularly attend if you're watching us on YouTube. If you, want, if you have questions or comments and want to reach out and, 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 and investigate anything any further, there is a uh, link to our website in the description of the podcast. Feel free to reach out and send us a note and we will get back to you right away. But again, thanks so much to, to everyone listening. Thanks so much to Robert Terry from Connex Partners for joining us today. And, and we hope to have Act Two coming to a theater near you with uh, with Robert again. So <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your day and, and, and tune into us next week as we continue to dive into to the human side of learning and talent technology and, and everything going on in our, in our crazy little heads. Thanks, Robert. Right. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. All right. Cheers.